0: Alright, so after the service this morning, we're going to have a little uh, song competition. You can come up. <laughs> and sing the words that you had wrong. That's actually called a mondegreen. So it's an actual term of when you think you know the words to something, but it, you find out it's very different. And I'm sure if I listened to everyone out there, there'd be a lot of fun ones, and maybe you were at a, you know, at a wedding and you're dancing and you're singing the song, and everyone looks at you like, What are you singing? I remember a story of a kid in, in a church years ago They used to have a thing called Salty the Songbook, if anyone has maybe been around church long enough. And, and so Salty was like this robot that would sing kids' songs. And, uh, the, and, and so that kid was familiar with it. Well, they were in uh, the main gathering, and this is back in the era. of There's a song, a worship song, a song with the church would sing that was, We Exalt You. And so it's, and, and it's actually, We Exalt Thee is is the the lyrics and as the church was singing we exalt thee we exalt thee the little kids started crying mom's like what's what's wrong and the kid's like i don't hate salty why are we singing we hate salty so sometimes we hear something but we don't really fully hear what it is today what we want we're talking about is the art of listening the art of listening and the value of being able to truly hear and connect with people. The famous philosopher and speaker Francis Schaefer was once asked this. If you had one hour to share the gospel, the good news, with someone who didn't believe, you had one hour, what would you say? And Francis Schaefer responded and said, Well, I'd spend the first 55 minutes asking to find out what is troubling their heart and mind. I'd spend the final five minutes helping them see how the good news applies to those situations. See, there's something very powerful about listening and hearing. In fact, so powerful that in James, wrote in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19, it says this a simple instruction be quick to listen and slow to speak. And later it says, be slow to become angry. Isn't it interesting that it's kind of the opposite in our culture where we're often quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to become angry? It's the opposite. But it's so at the core of who God wants us to be that we're instructed to be quick to listen and slow to speak. There's something really powerful about listening. There's something powerful about being heard. In fact, Dallas Willard says this when he's talking about connecting with others and said, the first act of love is giving your attention to someone. The very first act of love is giving your attention to be engaged in actually listening. We're in a series now that we call we're calling Bless. It's loving like Jesus in everyday life and we're going through this and it's we're taking some really practical steps and I know for some of you would say, "Well, this is so practical. This is I want the deep just super deep truths of scripture. And I want you to know that what we're going through may feel so practical that you might think it's not deep, but this is at the very heart of God. The truth that we're finding and looking at is that how Jesus came and loved and lived among us is perhaps the deepest truth we can find. As Jesus came and demonstrated to us what it was like to be the people of God, what it was like to actually bless others so that they may see God's heart and character and be drawn to him. That's why we're going through this series. And the whole idea of blessed is that we are called and God has empowered us and put his favor on us that we may then be a blessing to others, ultimately, that they may know Jesus. Now, if you are here today and you do not yet know Jesus, we want you to know our heart for you is that, yes, you discover life in Christ. That is why we exist as a church. That's why we're reminding ourselves of these truths in this sermon series because it is at the core of the heart of God is that people may know Jesus. And it isn't so that our statistics look good. By the way, we're not getting any extra Jesus points for everyone who says, I want to become a follower of Jesus or of Christ. We don't, don't, it doesn't do anything for us other than it gives us the joy of sharing in the mission that God has called us to live because our lives have been transformed by Jesus. And so we naturally want others to experience the hope and the peace and the joy that we experience. The hope in times when they're tough. The peace that we can experience even when life comes at us with the hard things. And it will, even if you're a Christian. And ultimately, our hope in a future of in the presence of God. We want that for you and your friends and your family. So that's why we're diving in. So, today we're looking at the very next piece of this series, as we're talking about BLESS. And yes, it is an acronym. I told you last week. Last week, we said we begin with prayer. This week, maybe you figured out what the L is. The L is to listen. So today, what we're looking at is to listen. So we begin with prayer as we want to prepare our hearts, and I hope that many of you took that challenge to heart, and I want to start hearing stories. I want to just tell you really quickly, um, there's a friend of mine that I've been uh, started praying for. I was on day two of praying for this friend, on day two, and I got a text message on Tuesday that said, hey, Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, would you ever want to just go grab a beer and hang out or something? And I was like, on day two? Are you kidding, Lord? (laughs) This is supposed to take some time. (laughs) It's amazing what God can do as he stirs and works in hearts of others. And so this week, we're going to look at that next thing. Listen. Learning the art of listening. If you think about it, in our culture, how would you rate us as people who listen well? Why do you think it is that we have such trouble listening to others? And and, and I'm not just saying like, oh, yeah, you're you're in a conversation, but like actually listening. What is it so hard about that? I was thinking about it, and I think uh, even as a teaching team, we were talking about this, and we realized there's a few things. One, we're in a culture that's addicted to hearing ourselves speak. Are we not? Now, part of that, I think, is a defense mechanism. I think, in fact, some would actually say that they talk to fill the silence because they just don't want to get into an awkward situation where they might have to listen. And so it's easier to keep talking. We also are in a culture that values those who are able to control the narrative. Would you agree with that? I mean, just look at the way the news is. There was a time when if you heard a bunch of facts or conflicting things, you might actually turn to the news and see if they sorted through it for you. But now you can't do that anymore because depending on which channel you turn on is going to sort their facts and their conclusions for you on either side. And the younger generations who don't even look at the news anymore. I I was turning on the news this week because I, you know, just trying to keep up with things, and my kids walked in and they're like, How can you watch this stuff? (laughs) Because they can get it quicker on Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. But in there, who wins? those who speak enough to control the narrative. We're in a culture where that's just the norm. We value that, unfortunately. I was also thinking, what's the other reason we don't listen well? It's, frankly, because it's harder than talking. It takes way more effort to listen than it does to speak. But I think at the heart of God is we see that God listens to us. One author was talking about listening and said this, the greatest problem with communication is that we don't listen to understand. We often listen simply to reply. When we listen with curiosity, we don't just listen with the intent to reply, but we listen for what's behind the words. But we don't do that that much anymore. How often do we listen so that we can reply? We're just waiting to say our peace. Maybe you are like that. Maybe you have friends like that. Maybe you're sitting next to someone who is like that, who you know is just waiting for their chance to come in, and when they listen, it's so they can reply. Well, we want to learn to go deeper than that. So I want to invite you to look in, the, in our Bibles, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 18. We're going to look at two short little stories and accounts of how Jesus listened to others. And on the surface, you might not think it's a big thing, but it's interesting what he does. So in Luke chapter 18, uh, if you are new to Scripture in the New Testament, it's about two-thirds of the way through in the book of Luke. We call it the Gospel of Luke or the Good News. And it's uh, from Luke speaking about Jesus. In Luke chapter 18 and in verse 35 through 42, we're going to look at a, a short story of Jesus' interaction with someone. And then after this, we're going to go over to John chapter 5. So Luke 18, verse 35 says this. Jesus was approaching Jericho, and a man who was blind was sitting by the road. He was begging. When the blind man heard a crowd going by, he began inquiring what this was. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. So the man began calling out, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that the man be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said, Regain your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he began, regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw that, they gave their praise to God. Interesting in that story. Jesus sees a blind man or hears a blind man calling out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's a blind man. He's a beggar. And he's saying, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. Jesus stops and brings him to him. And he asks a really bizarre question. What do you want me to do for you? Isn't it interesting that he's not like, okay, you're blind, you're a beggar. I can kind of figure this out. You probably want to see, right? But Jesus actually pauses. He says, what do you want me to do? What is it that's at your core that you're asking for right now? File, save that story. We're going to come back to it. Turn over, if you will, with me to John chapter 5. So one book later in your Bible. John chapter 5. And in John chapter 5, we have a story of this area called the pools of Bethesda. And there's these pools right outside of the walls of Jerusalem. And there was a superstition around them. And the superstition was that you would, uh, they were, had some healing power of some sort. And there's a lot of debate about what they were in the time of Christ. But there's something about them that they felt like when the waters were stirred, and however they were stirred, we don't really know, but the, the superstition was, or the belief, was that an angel would come and stir the waters. And the first person to get into the water would then be healed which is kind of an amazing thing, wouldn't it be? And, and kind of bizarre if God worked that way, like, okay, let's see who's the fastest to jump in the water. So, But that's how what they believed about this. Now, in John chapter 5, we'll pick up in verse 5. Jesus and his disciples show up at the pools of Bethesda, and it says this. Now, a man was there at the pools who'd been ill for 38 years. Jesus, upon seeing this man lying there and knowing that he had already been in that condition for a long time, said to him, do you want to get well? The sick man answered, said, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And when I'm coming down, another person steps in front of me. And Jesus says, okay, well get up, pick up your pallet and walk. And immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet and began to walk. Again, isn't it interesting what question Jesus asks? He comes and there's a guy who's been sick for 38 years. He's been desperately trying to be healed for a long time. And Jesus knew it. And he looks at him and he asks him this really nice question. Do you want to get better? Isn't that one, like, if someone asked me something that obvious, I I would have a hard time not responding sarcastically. (laughs) Like, no, Jesus, I'm just happy to sit here without being able to move by this healing water. Nah, I'm just here for fun. But this guy, this is the question that Jesus asks him. In both of these stories, it's interesting that Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Do you want me, do you want to get well? And in these just brief moments, we see something of the heart of God and how he listened to others how he actually stepped back, didn't make assumptions, and said, I want to hear from you. Tell me what you're really thinking. So before we get into practical for us, how we can be better listeners, let's look at a few things that Jesus did, how Jesus listened to others. I just want to show you a few things. And the first was this that we saw. He didn't make any assumptions. He didn't make any assumptions about them. Now, I would make an assumption that if a blind man's on the side of the road saying, hey, Jesus, have mercy on me, that he probably wants to see. And it turns out I would have been right. But Jesus stops and he says, what is it? When you say you have mercy on me, what, will, what would give you mercy? And I think there's probably something even deeper in there because in their culture, they believe that if you were sick or something was wrong, that it was you, that you caused it. That there's something at at your core that deserved to be blind. And I believe what Jesus was actually saying is, yeah, I know you're blind. I know you'd love to see. But what does mercy look like to you? What are the beliefs in your heart that you have that, do you think that God needs mercy because somehow you've wronged him and therefore you're blind? And there may have been a lot more to the story than what Luke tells us about. But he wanted, he said, I'm not going to make assumptions. I want to hear you. I want to know how you feel. I want to know what you need. It's an amazing question. Even with the man who's laying by the water, the assumption would be you obviously want to get well. So why does Jesus say, do you want to get better? We saw it actually happen a couple times in scripture. Well, especially in the book of Acts, where someone was healed, he was a beggar, got healed, and then all of a sudden, he's like, wait a minute, my whole life I've made money by begging, what do I do now? Was at the core of Jesus's question, like, do you really want to get better? Do you really, because do you know what, the, what might happen if you're better? Is this something you want? It's interesting how sometimes we get so comfortable in our state where you would think we should change, but we're comfortable in our misery. Maybe you know people like that. Jesus is asking them, do you really want, do you want to step into a new life? Don't make assumptions. We all know what assumptions do, right? There's this word, I'm not going to explain it here, but when we assume what it can do. I read a story this week uh, uh, about a a photojournalist who was uh, covering the wildfires, and was told that they were in this small town, and and, uh, said, hey, when you get there on the runway, there'll be a double-engine plane, your pilot will be waiting for you, um, and it'll take you to take your photos. So he gets out to the runway, sees this plane, the pilot's waiting, and the double-engine plane hops in, and uh, says, okay, I'm here, let's go. Just go ahead and let's take off. So the pilot taxis to the runway, takes off. They get in the air, and the photographer says, I want you to fly really low, and let's go up through the valley near the fires, to which the pilot's like, why do you want to do that? He said, because I want to get a really good close-up angle of the fires. And then the pilot said, oh, so you're not my flight instructor? (laughs) Sometimes when we make assumptions, we can get ourselves into trouble. (laughs) In this case, or in any case, when we're in a conversation, we're listening We don't want to assume we know the whole situation. We want to learn to actually listen. Jesus did that well. What's the other thing Jesus did? He led them on a journey of self-discovery. Notice those questions. What do you really want? What's at the core of your beliefs? What's at the core of what you're experiencing? He actually had them express the obvious because it helps you to think through it. When we're in conversations with people, if we were listening like Jesus, we would ask the questions and say, help, tell me. I don't want to assume anything. Help me understand how you feel. Help me understand what's going on. I just want to hear from you. What is your life like? The next thing we see there is that he validated the person and their situation. He was present. When everyone was telling this blind man, just be quiet. Jesus is coming. Quit yelling. You're being annoying. What did Jesus do? He said, hold it. Stop. Hold it. Bring him to me. And he engaged and he focused in and gave his attention. He validated the person. We see him in that story of Jericho, by the way. He does it in the next moment with a guy named Zacchaeus who was hiding from Jesus. And Jesus noticed him and says, here, come down. I'm gonna go hang out with you in your house. I wanna get to know you more. He validated the person and said, you are worthy of my attention. There's something very powerful that happens when we listen to people. I want you to, for a moment, think through The people in your life who you think are good listeners, my guess is they're among your top favorite people to hang out with, are they not? And then how about the opposite? What about the people who you're like, oh, I'm having dinner with that person today? Okay. This is the pattern that God had from the very beginning. You know, in the very first story in Genesis chapter 3 where sin entered in, a remarkable thing happens. The story is with Adam and Eve, and they sin, they take from a, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which represents their, their desire to, to make the rules, their desire to say, we trust ourselves and our version of this more than God's, and, and, and all of a sudden, the scripture says they, they realize that they were naked. Now, it, 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 they started off with this picture of they're in the garden, and they were naked, which is the biblical symbol for being innocent. So now they, take, they sin, and they realize, oh, we're naked, interesting revelation and then they put, they go and they hide and they said God was walking through the garden and they were hiding from God and God asked them a question in Genesis chapter 3 verse 9 he first says where are you to Adam and Eve now the creator of the universe the all-knowing God who knows everything he knew the answer but notice what he does he lets them explain their situation where are you to which they said, we heard you, and we realized we were naked, so we hid. <laughs> and God asked him a great question in Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. Who told you that you were naked? It's another amazing question in Scripture. <laughs> he said, have you eaten from that tree I told you not to eat from? And then we get into what happens with sin, is, is Adam says, that woman who you gave to me, she gave me some fruit from t- the tree and I ate it. Typical guy, isn't it? Like a uh, uh, woman. <laughs> and God says, "What is it that you have done?" Interesting questions. "Where are you? How did you know you were naked? What have you done?" God knew the answer to all of those, but in that he was asking them To lean in. He was leading on a journey of self discovery and actually really saying, okay, this is what happened. (sighs) Why did we do that? What led to this? Listening is this powerful thing. The author Carl Menninger says this about listening listening is a magnetic and strange thing, it's a creative force. The friends who listen to us are the ones we move towards. When we're listened to, it creates us. It makes us unfold and expand. Isn't that true? When you think of listening as this magnetic force, it it draws you in. So, I hope you're convinced. Yes, listening matters. Jesus listened. So, how do we learn to listen? How can we get better at this? When we're talking about how we bless others, what are some simple things that we can do that will help us to actually learn to listen better? And and all of these, I believe, are in the heart of God and how He's created us. So, here's a few to think about. One, learning to listen. Don't just listen to speak. Listen to understand. So. Let's try not to just listen to reply. Now, this could be a marriage seminar right now, couldn't it? It could be a parenting seminar. It could be a seminar on how to be a better boss or a better employee. It could be on how to be a better teacher. But let's listen, not just to speak, but to understand. And this is probably one of the number one things that pops up in marriage. You're just not listening to me. Yes, I am. I heard you say this, this, this. I can repeat it back to you. Well, what does it mean? I don't know, but I can repeat it. Listen to understand. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13, it says this, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. Who answers before listening? It is your folly and your shame. Who are the names that pop in your head right now who are classic answer-before-they-listen people? And if you can't think of anyone, it might be you. (laughs) Learning to listen. Try to understand. A great great phrase. I've heard this from some people here at Seacoast. We have some really good listeners at Seacoast, by the way. I've heard this phrase often from some people in here who say, that must be hard. Help me understand that more. Wow, what a simple response. Help me understand that more. Husbands, write that down. If you don't write anything else down all day, (laughs) what if we learn to say, hey, help me understand that more? And then listen to the answer, by the way. (laughs) So let's, don't just listen to speak, listen to understand. Next one is this. Listen with gospel ears. Okay, I gotta, I wanna admit something to you. I don't, I think this sounds cheesy. I think that sounds cheesy. When I was trying to think of a better way to say that, and I I didn't come up with a better way, so I wanna just explain what I mean by that. With this gospel ears, this is, the gospel is the good news of Jesus, but this is listening with ears who are, are aware of what is the good news. What is the story of God? The story is essentially this. God has created the world in perfection, but because of sin, we call it the fall, that things are not as they should be. And Jesus comes to start making right what is broken. So the good news, you have creation, you have fall, and you have redemption. And then ultimately, we have a future hope, a restoration. So there's only those four things. But with gospel ears, that's listening for the parts of the story where we see this this narrative played out listening with uh, we'll get to that one in a minute listening with gospel ears is this idea that is we we're trying to hear the story of where you see people are explaining the good news i was with a friend this week and we were talking about parenting and he was saying to me like yeah with my kids there's one kid i screwed up (laughs) One of my kids, I screwed up. The other ones turned out great, but one of them, I messed up. And I was like, oh, that's great, because mine's the opposite. I have one good, no, I'm just kidding. But in there, able to just, we kind of dove a little deeper, and like, what do you mean by that? And at the core, there was this, this feeling that, yeah, things just aren't as they should be. It feels like th- this relationship shouldn't be that way, that there should be more peace, there should be more healing in there, but it's not. And so when we're listening with ears where we're able to see like, oh, yeah. And and what I told him is like, you know, this world isn't the way it's meant to be. I believe that God has created the world for us to have peace with one another. That's what my Bible says. But it's broken. And there's all kinds of things when sin entered in. And so I get what you're experiencing. Man, we see that things just, don't you just notice that things just don't feel like they're the way they're meant to be. Something as simple as that, you're able to point out, like, oh, look at that. You're actually explaining the gospel. So we're listening with ears, where we're trying to find what are the hurts and joys that you're experiencing? What are the expectations that aren't being met in your life? Where are you looking for hope? These are all things that you'll notice in everyone's story. Hope might be that your kids are all perfect kids with great grades and good jobs, and that they'll take care of you when you get older. Is that where our hope is found? So we want to listen with ears for the good news. And then finally this, listen knowing the heart of God for each person. When you're listening to someone, understand that the heart of God for them is for their redemption and good. That our God loves that person more than you ever could. And when we start to develop the heart of God and we're sitting across from someone, even the person you're like, oh, you are so messed up or you are so difficult or whatever you're feeling, to know, like, it's amazing that God's heart for you is breaking. That God's heart for you is so deep that he will run to you down the road. That God will leave the 99 perfect ones to find the one who's run away. And when we start to develop our heart, when we're sitting across from someone, we say, wow, this is God's precious creation. It does something to how you listen. You don't have to be the judge. I just want to tell you right now, you don't have to be the judge. God will. You're just there to be present. And God's heart for that person is that they may know Jesus or come back to him. Develop that heart for God. I love in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, I have this, this is the New Living Translation. I like the way it's worded. It says this, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? The heart of God is this wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient love. And it's the kindness of God that turn, leads us to repentance. And you just might be the expression of God's kindness to someone else in your conversations this week. You might just be that person's first encounter with the heart of God. And as we learn to listen, as simple as it may sound, it is this key step in being a blessing to others. It validates them. It's magnetic. It'll draw them in. And by the way, we will get to a point where we're sharing our stories, but, but right now we're talking about listening. As the worship team makes their way back up, I want you to take a moment and think through, if you were with us maybe the last week or two, who are the people in your life that God has placed in your life that you can be praying for? And again, if you're here this morning and say, hey, I'm just seeking, I'm searching for truth, I'm trying to learn the truth about God. Hey, right now, I want you to know that you're here not on accident. If you're watching online, if you've tuned in for some reason, you are not doing that on accident. That there's a God who loves you, who knows you, and is wanting you to experience His forgiveness and His truth and His hope. And so who are the people that God's placed in your life? Who are you praying for? Think of that. And then how can you this week be a better listener? How can you listen like Jesus did? With no assumptions, getting to the heart of their story, validating them, and ultimately helping them see the character of God in you. What would that look like? And we're going to sing a song here in a moment, but before we even do that, I just, before we start singing, I want you just to take a moment and let's bow our heads and let's just lift up those people in this place in the quietness of our heart. Who are the people you're praying for? Think through this week, maybe the next few weeks, what are the conversations and situations you'll be in? And let's pray that we will have the heart of God, not to change or transform or to force a moment to just be there and be present, just as Jesus looked at the beggar, as he looked at the person who wanted to be healed, he saw through all of that to the person and said, what is it that you need? What is it you want? So before we even begin singing, take a moment, let's reflect and let's pray for those people.